Welcome to another episode of Market Overdrive. I hope you've had a fabulous Thursday. It's been a crazy, crazy week. And with me, my crazy, wacky co-host. How are you, Joel? Well, what's so wacky about me? I mean, here we are. We have survived all of February, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, it seems like it's been a full 30 days, but it's the last day of the month, and it's been uh, 28 days of amazing things on Market Overdrive. I love him. He's so optimistic, always so happy, whereas I'm always like... Oh my God, it's 5.30, I have to be in mod. I just like, you know, I think I danced through like a whole day. Today was crazy, just a bunch of files, everything getting rejected, title getting returned. <laughs> my title people are here, so I'm going to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, what have you been working on? Well, it is the end of the month, and as you know, what happens that a lot of the things come down to the very final day. So even though it's one of those busy days, I'm glad to be back here on Market Overdrive. We have some amazing guests today, and we're just seeing how the spring market's already here. Don't you feel that we're seeing a lot more activity this time of year than we did uh, a year ago? For sure. Yeah. Do you see the bags underneath my eyes? I'm exhausted, <laughs> you, look, you guys. <laughs> she looks great, Sarah's guys. in the studio, too, and she's laughing at me because we've had one of those crazy realtor days when we were talking about how crazy it is. But before we talk about yeah. the spring market and the birds chirping, they're actually already chirping I outside hear my window. <laughs> so that's exciting news because we're in Chicago, and it's super, super cold, so it's good to hear, um, you know, get some live bird songs in the morning. But before we get to that, Joel, yes. what are you doing for March 8th? You know what March 8th is? I certainly do. What is As it? a man, I know how important it is to celebrate the women in our lives. So today we have Julie Harris. Hi, how are you? Great. Doing great, Joel. Thank you so much. So International Women's Day is coming up on March 8th. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing on that day and leading up to the March 8th uh, event. Absolutely. So kicking it off tomorrow, March 1st, actually, is Women's Month. So um, March 8th is uh, our signature event. Um, I started a nonprofit called the Exceptional Women's Network to really inspire, empower, and ignite female leadership in uh, our community. So our signature event, uh, we're really excited about March 8th coming up. It's um, from 5.30 to 8.30. And we're going to be hosting it at WeWork Space. And we're it's open to the community. Both men and women are invited. So hopefully, Joel, you'll be able to make it. Good. And, um, another wonderful reason why you should be there and everyone who's listening is because our very own Carla Mina will be one of our fabulous guest speakers on what the lineup. <laughs> I made it on another panel already. <laughs> but see, I love it because we said March 8th, but now you're saying it's a whole entire month the for women. Month. See, starting March 1st. I didn't even know that. Let's celebrate women and kudos to you. Julie, can you tell us a little bit about not just the organization, but why do you feel that there's a need in Chicago or, or around for this type of platform? Absolutely, Carla. So I started the Exceptional Women's Network back in 2016 when I was a career connector at Columbia College. So what I found in doing mock interviews with women is that sometimes it was challenging for women to really be able to communicate their strongest skill sets and assets as a professional. And I thought that that was limiting. So, you know, we're... 18 years, 19 years now into the millennium, and I, I'm thinking about how I can help women. So that's how the Exceptional Network was born um, for women. So we've been doing a lot of uh, great events around women and wealth and female empowering events, film screenings, and our signature event coming up March 8th. So right. we're really super excited about it. We're going to have the Australia Council General open it with special remarks and five fantastic women. So there's going to be a lot to uh, be excited about for that event. Love it. I like how you said that you're giving back and you're helping. That's one of the big things that we do on Market Overdrive is provide a platform for wonderful guests just like you to come on and not just talk about an event, but really share ways that you can give back. And so coming up on the tell us one more time where it is so that all of our guests that are listening know. Absolutely. So the Exceptional Women's Network will be hosting this International Women's Day event. So come celebrate with us at WeWork. And uh, you can find tickets on Eventbrite if you just type in International Women's Day on March 8th. And um, really, it is all about paying it forward. So if there's people who walk away really impacted and empowered by the event, all men and women who come, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. 
Love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Julie. I think that obviously you guys hear me say it over and over every Thursday. It's a passion of mine to give back and always, you know, share my story because, again, no, you never know who's listening and who's going to be empowered by these messages. But I find it with that when you're in an intimate space with women, and I know it's open to men, but we can have that conversation about, you know, what are the, our, our obstacles? And I feel that overall, we all share in the same, right? We all want to know that we're supported. We all want that love aspect of it. But of course, there's always that whole dynamic of like how can we become self-sufficient and I always bring in the same message about you know women empowerment so if someone isn't able to come to this event I mean you do have time to get the tickets and come out and support but if you're not able to come uh, what other opportunities do you have available in your through your organization absolutely so uh, you can definitely check us out at www.exceptionalwomensnetwork.com all our events will be listed there and uh, we we are focusing on a couple exciting events coming up throughout the year, so definitely check back on that. And, um, you know, the more people who are involved to support the efforts in terms of um, building a strong community and network of female leadership, the better. So come one, come all. And we're super excited to hear all of the insights that Carla's going to bring to this panel. <laughs> I'm excited to share with you as well. And hopefully you can come out and support and definitely meet with us so that you can be enlightened, I guess. Everybody takes something diff- takes something away, right? So that's the key to share. Julie, thank you so much for sharing with our audience your awesomeness. And I look forward to hanging out with you on March 8th. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Love it. Did you hear that? I made right. it on that whole panel of what is what did you call it? Like the empowerment? It's leadership. great. <laughs> no. What it, what was so great about that was that now on Market Overdrive, Carla, aren't we seeing that we're opening this up not just to people that are directly tied to real estate, right? We are really making 2019's Market Overdrive show about giving back and helping people that are listening grow their own business and be empowered. I really liked exactly. what she was saying. And what I like to do is showcase us, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, we're selling real estate, but we're also we're also connecting with the communities and we're giving back. And my whole mission in 2019 was to get out of the studio and actually get in the trenches and meet women and empower women and, you know, meet with our clients and just have more of a one-on-one presence to really get out there. So I feel that I'm aligning myself with these organizations that have great missions and also also have a great message to deliver um, because you never know who needs it and so that's my key thing but on our show today um, we're going to move on to real estate as usual um, and today we're going to be talking about bidding wars and the marketplace we did start to discuss the spring market is here and so we want to educate you on how to transact and what are the expectations in 2019 with respects to bidding wars and to do that do you want to introduce your guests it is a hot market right we're seeing a lot of bidding wars and that's what's happening and that's one of the reasons that I have my two guests on today is that they're in the trenches they're seeing it and this is what's happening right now the spring markets moved forward we're right here in february so on the show today i want to introduce my guest Haley levine and tony matar Haley, take it away tell us a little bit about what you've done in real estate um, I've been in the business for six years. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to come up with uh, some really great teams. And now Tony and I have shifted gears after all that mentorship and started our own team. Absolutely. Tony, tell me, tell me the first time that you met Haley. Oh, man, I can't even remember the first time that we met, but it was uh, six or so years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, we were total babies, um, didn't have any of... We look the same. We didn't have our lives <laughs> together. We didn't know what we were doing like we do today in the business. But it's been really inspiring to work alongside someone like Haley, speaking of uh, Women's Month coming up. Um, a strong woman who uh, is super experienced and just is an, a master of her craft and knows exactly what to do uh, almost all the time. So No, I love oh. that. And Tony's a regular on the show, so <laughs> he's definitely, you know, kudos to Tony. Tony, you're, you're officially, you know, a mod squad member. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I love it. I do want to call out that he was putting on lip gloss for her. I need somebody. Sarah, you need to play <laughs> your game. Tony is the social media chair slash beauty coordinator. You got to keep your people looking good. Right? It's all about getting in front of that one-on-one face-to-face, right, that we're talking about. Yeah. So tell me, Haley, I don't know who wants to take this um, question, but what are you seeing in the marketplace right now? Yeah, I mean, right now, as we head into the spring market, we're seeing multiple offer scenarios again with more buyers and more competition. Um, You know, as the weather heats up, the market has been, too. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been just totally gangbusters. I mean, the past two months have been our most productive in our history as a team. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to see that people are out there braving, braving the elements to get out there and find their dream home. And uh, it's important to kind of sit down and, and help people understand in a really hot market like this, how are you going to overcome some of those challenges when you're competing with a lot of different buyers and, uh, you know, things are moving and, and flying off the shelves. Let's touch base on that for a second, right? You said that the people out there right now, if you're out in a cold weekend, aren't you a pretty serious buyer, right? You're not just looking at places on a Saturday or Sunday when it's five degrees out, unless you're probably making a move. And so what does that mean? Aren't we seeing a lot of multiple offer situations with that? What have you seen for some of your buyers just in the last couple of weekends where you've been able to take one of those buyers and win in a pretty hot market right now. Yeah, so I have one example, and I know that Haley has another, but um, we uh, I had a buyer this past weekend who put an offer in on a place, and there's tenants in the property, and so it's been really a challenge for the listing agent to get get people into the property and it's in it's actually in the same building that Joel lives in I won't say the address for all of the uh, paparazzi out there (laughs) but um, but you know it's a great Joel's competing with Grok on the paparazzi and the fans I love it okay what happens when you come on Market Overdrive you become insta celebrity famous but anyway uh, these people wanted to buy this unit and we were trying for multiple days to get into the property finally we got in and uh, the listing agent said that he had nine other requests to see the property but we had been the most persistent to get in the door and other people had given up um and then beyond that joel actually called the listing agent and and uh you know just extolled the virtues of my client's pre-approval absolutely so part of this is not just winning on price right carla you see a lot of people that when buyers think i have to go in and be the highest offer to win what tony's saying here and haley you've seen it many times it's about working with the other agent to come up with something, right? It always doesn't have to be the highest offer. So, Tony, how did we win that deal? What was the deciding factor that you can share with the audience that may help another agent who's listening, who's facing the exact same thing? Yeah, I think in in this scenario, I think persistence was definitely key. I mean, my buyers wanted that property, so I wasn't going to stop calling that agent until he got us in the door, regardless of the 48 hours notice, Mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that he denied our first showing request. At the end of the day, it's your responsibility to act in the best interest of what your client wants. And so, you know, we have to be out there doing that every day. I love that you say that because I think the key here is in sharing on Market Overdrive. We want to educate you and elevate your real estate IQ. And not just realtors who are listening, but also our audience, right? Our consumers are large who are getting frustrated. And Mm -hmm. they're basically coming out of the sidelines because we're coming out of a celebratory first, you know, fourth quarter and now first quarter, Mm -hmm. um, entering March now. And people are saying, okay, let's let's get out there. Let's compete again. I know last year was kind of crazy. But we were expecting a price adjustment. I mean, we were saying, you know, property taxes have gone up. So are the Pricing, are you seeing a price adjustments with respect to pricing? And is it a back to basics kind of market or is this uh, bidding war really escalating pricing? I think that people are now pricing to sell more than they were before. You know, instead of starting higher, people are pricing for the multiple offers. So I don't think people are necessarily overpaying and it's going there, but it's going to the multiple offers because they're pricing that way on purpose, which is a smart way to do it. I love that you say that because I completely agree. One of the key things that I always advise my team is to call that listing agent and find mm-hmm. out if that property is still available. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as an, a realtor, you're going to say, hey, can you look into this property? But a great realtor is looking and seeking out properties for you. And so because we are coming from a stagnant market, um, we're looking at market times from 20 to 30 days and you're like, oh, it's still available. There's that assumption. And then the client gets really excited and they're like, we're ready to hit the street. And then you find out there's bidding wars. How, what do you advise to a client that's sitting um, on a property they really, really like, Tony, but that it does have multiple offers already? And what is your A through maybe three secrets on how to win that bid? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I mentioned before, the persistence is key. Um, I'll let Haley cover the third one because I know she has a special tactic that comes in handy on a, <laughs> on a regular basis. You got to hear this. Um, but the second one, I think the most important thing to do with your clients is to really figure out what is the value of that property. I mean, Haley touched on the fact 
fact that I think there's a lot of great agents out there that prepared their clients, their seller clients for this this climate that we're in right now. And so people are priced more aggressively, but a good buyer's agent really still wants to make sure what's the value of the property, make sure that your clients aren't overpaying and let them know the number at which they should walk away from the deal and they're not going to see a return on their investment. Um, but for the third one, Haley, tell them about your your secret tactic. Yeah, I think uh, there's a common misconception that the highest you know, offer that wins is the one that's willing to pay the most. And there's a lot of things that a seller cares about. We actually use, I guess, the secret sauce is we have like a love letter template that we send to the seller. She it's, called it the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, it pulls on their heartstrings, which is great, but it also says to the seller, this person's really serious. They wrote me a love letter about how much they love my home and about how much they want to be here. This is a serious buyer. They're not going to back out at the inspection. They're not going to get cold feet. This person really wants it. And then... Where else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and, that's, and that's not, it's not a, a new idea. I mean, you've been hearing of that for years and years. But sometimes I think as agents, we kind of step away from that when, um, when our buyers have a leg up. But going into this spring market, I mean, the past three deals that we've put under contract, we've had the, had the buyers write a letter to the sellers. And they haven't said explicitly that that's what swayed them. But, you know, all that matters is that we're under contract to buy those homes. I completely agree. I think relationship building with that other realtor, right, the, the listing agent, making sure that they understand that you're going to go above and beyond for the transaction. And of course, writing that love letter that you say, I think it's brilliant. Um, and I, it's great that you're listing that it's not always about bidding and overbidding on the property, right? Because you never, you're going to have that appraisal. Um, Joel, like, takes this into the lending aspect of it. If you're overbidding on a property and you're overpaying and you're paying a premium per se, what does the lender say about that? Well, I was telling Haley and Tony this exact same thing recently that go ahead and let somebody else be the top bidder. Okay, we don't want to overpay for a property. And these are agents that are out there right now that are teaching their buyers exactly what they should do and what they shouldn't do and when to walk away. When so many agents, you know this, Carla, they're just interested in a commission. They will go and let that buyer pay 20 or 30 grand more. And usually it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, I think unless they're paying cash, what happens? There's a guy like me that wants to make sure the house is worth what they're paying. It's a little thing called an appraisal. And so if you're finding a property that's a little bit over the listing price, we make those deals work. But so often you get buyers that are in a multiple offer situation where they are twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars above the true value of the property, they need to come to the table with that cash. Love it. You know, at the end of the day, real estate is an investment, right? I know that there's an emotional aspect when it comes to residential buying because people have to fall in love with the property and then you're writing these love letters to the seller. But when it comes down to your side of the deal, it's more transactional, right? It's the numbers. And of course, you can sell something for 10% above Mm -hmm. list price, but the market has to justify that value, right? Well, that's the reason I have these uh, guests on today. They've done a really good job of meeting the listing agent and having that conversation about why these buyers are the best one for the for the sale. It's not always about the highest price, Haley. What did we do just recently where we made sure that the sellers knew that these buyers could close in just a matter of weeks? Yeah, I think uh, a great thing we do that's like a free bargaining tool is we're talking to the list agent and finding out what's really important to the seller. So we found out that these sellers needed to be out of their home fast and we had a pre-approval from joel which is like a golden ticket Mm -hmm. and you know joel's able to call that agent let them know these buyers are really really solid and that he can get them cleared to close in 20 days Mm -hmm. no problem we weren't even the highest offer but having that negotiating tool was great for us wait joel so she said the golden ticket your pre-approvals are the golden tickets i thought your wife was the golden ticket isn't she amazing it is that's march (laughs) women's month is next month we still have a few days for us men, okay? Well, wait, that makes Shout him really wonka, right? It does. <laughs> it does. But you're right. I like the way that you said this, that it's not always going to be the top offer that wins, right? We can go in and let a seller know that these buyers aren't just having a pre-approval letter that's uh, maybe going to be fine. If they get an offer accepted, they can close in literally a matter of days. Our average turn time on these is 10 to 14 days. 
And this brings me to something I want to bring up with Tony. We did the exact opposite on one recently. Didn't we just tell a seller that we would be so accommodating for the seller's move-out date that we have a closing that's over 120 days away? Yeah. Tell the audience about that and how you won that deal, because this could help other agents out there really close more business. Yeah, I mean, so listen, guys, basically what we've been talking about today is that it's not necessarily about price. It's not necessarily about timing. It's about finding out what is important to the seller and what combination of all those different terms is going to get the deal to close. So for this deal, uh, the sellers have renters in in place and the rent... the current rental lease isn't up until the end of May. So, you know, we're still in February here. These are my buyers wanted to purchase the property, so they agreed to a June 6th closing. So, working with Joel, he kind of has to do the mortgage twice almost mm-hmm. to make sure that this deal is going to close because it's outside of the scope of the normal time frame. So you want to be working with experts and you really want to be educating your clients on what's going to come next in the process. I mean, mismanaged expectations are the root of all controversy. So sitting down with people up front and giving them as much information as possible is going to allow them to hit the ground running. And Tony, early you said that, uh, and it, I love that you say about the relationship, right? And you mm-hmm. build these relationships over time and in our pre-production conversation you were saying sometimes you meet with these clients like one or two years prior to them pulling the trigger on a deal yeah so that's something that's super important to our team um you know we don't we're not trying to churn clients out in in like kind of a mill almost we're really trying to set those set those appointments as early as possible to get people set up for success and Haley's excellent at that yeah um we have a philosophy that we want to meet with someone whether they're thinking about buying a home now or in their lifetime you know in like five years that's fine i think that talking to people early on connecting them with joel early on or great lender that can help them figure out what they need to do to ready themselves to buy because there's a lot of moving pieces to buying a home and if you've never done it before and you're not ready for it it can feel overwhelming and we rely heavily you, on that. You do it so much differently than a lot of agents. So I want I want the audience to hear that again. She is one that would be willing to have a conversation well before you're really ready to buy. And what that does is it teaches you, it educates you, and then it makes it so that you're not jumping into a situation that you're uncomfortable with. Because Carla, you know, real estate's really emotional, right? It is, yeah. And so when you work with agents that are like Haley and Tony that will actually take the time to do something in advance, and it's not all about a commission, it's a really great thing. So we're really happy that you guys are on here today with us. Yeah, taking the time to meet with your client, understand and let you know manage their expectations about the process, but also when you're working with clients over a long time like that, you're not being reactive to the market, right? You're more strategic and staying in a monthly budget, mm-hmm. but also you work with these. Um, I understand you 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 filter out pocket listings to make sure that you don't put your clients in bidding wars. Can you tell us a little bit more about your network with respects to um, pocket listings? Yeah, so this is going to be the economics degree nerd coming out, uh, but the Pareto principle of you know the top 20% of agents in the city doing 80% of the business that's so true and you know having been in the market and been in the business for a long time Haley and I have built these great relationships with other brokers in the city who are also doing a good business and being able to reach out and say you know we've got buyers that are looking for this this type of home um, you know they've seen everything that's available what do you have coming up and getting people into homes or selling homes prior to them even hitting the market is another way to avoid some of the pitfalls of a a really active market like we're in right now. I love it. I mean, that's great advice because I think that a lot of people just think that through the MLS or they're looking at these third-party websites and they're like, oh, I saw this property. Yeah. And it's a kind of a bummer because sometimes it's already expired or sometimes, you know, it's already under contract. And that's when, you know, your buyer starts complaining that are you really doing your job? So I love that you guys are going above and beyond for our industry, right? And that's mm-hmm. the key with Market Overdrive. We only interview people who are not just real estate top producers, but it's more so like realtors will go above and beyond and just raise the bar when it comes to our industry. No, you're exactly right. I love what they're talking about here today and that you could actually grow your business and grow your brand. They have a team and this is what's so different than a lot of people that are just kind of out there going in alone. So if you have people that actually have a heart like Haley, I've I've got to know her. She's (laughs) one of the top people that I know that literally will work till all hours of the night to help somebody and get something done. And you can't say that about everybody. So Haley, tell us uh, before you go where people can find you. Yeah, where can you find me? You can find us at 
levinegroupchicago.com. You can find us. Give us a number. I love having <laughs> my number. Your, yes. Okay. Yes. 847-644-6848. I still have an 847 number. <laughs> Holding down. We'll met. <laughs> and Tony, the same thing, but before we do, we got a quick shout out. I think Grocco's not here today, and you had something that you wanted to say to him. Can we get that out on the air? Can we talk about this for a second? What, yeah. What, what do we want to tell Grocco? Okay, so if you're a regular listener or viewer of the show, you may have seen the first time that I came on promoting my Men of Chicago Real Estate Charity Swimsuit Calendar. Uh, you missed out on the opportunity to buy a 2019 calendar, but the good news is that we're going to be back this year and shooting in July for the 2020 edition. So I was hoping that Grocco would be here today because I want to officially invite him. Ooh. To be a part of the 2020 edition. So now that it's out there and the whole world knows, I I don't think he can say no, right, Joel? Well, I think that's the whole point. I I thought he was actually going... I think he's dying right now. He's like, yes, please, yes, please showcase me half naked on a magazine, well, a calendar so Uh everybody can buy it. Now your sales are going to go great. Everybody, (laughs) all the the whole fan club are going to buy and donate. And remember, it's for a good cause. So I'm glad. Thank you so much for including him on that. Oh my gosh, of course. He's going to be excited to do it. I can't wait. (laughs) Tony, tell us where uh, everyone that's listening can find you as well, please. So everyone can find me on Instagram uh, at Tmatar, T-M-A-T-T-A-R. I'm still repping my Michigan uh, area code, so I've got 248-568-6732. I just can't give it up. Whoop, whoop. All right, guys. Thank you. you got to give up those numbers. It's 312. I don't think they get 773 numbers out yet anymore. It's 2019. You can have an area code from wherever you want. That's right. I guess. Yeah. Google Talks. Well, great. Thank you guys so much for sharing your awesome. Um, one last thing before I let you go. I know you've already mm-hmm. said where you can be found, but the escalation clause, that's another mm-hmm. thing um, I wanted to cover before you get off the hot seat. Yeah. Um, tell our listeners what is an escalation clause and how you've used that in the past to win bidding wars. Yeah, an escalation clause is great uh, when it works out. We're basically saying how high a client will go in certain increments. So we're saying you know our client will go up to, uh, they'll willing to pay $2,000 more than any other offer up to $400,000. And what's great about that is we get to see the other offer, right? We know that the seller isn't bluffing and that they have that offer on a table. And that's so fantastic that you're actually able to articulate that because so many agents know about it, but they don't actually put it into place. So that's really cool that you were able to do that. Yeah. Tony, have you used that in the past? Yeah, I actually just had a buyer accepted yesterday with an escalation clause. And for me, the most important reason to use something like that is that, you know, we were in a multiple offer situation. We don't know what the other person's bidding. And we don't know if we're already the highest offer. Mm-hmm. So it protects us from just bidding with wild abandon above, you know, what we've already put in. Um, and again, then, you know, we cap it out at, at whatever the value of the property is for them. That's so great. Okay. I'm really glad that you guys were able to come on, yeah. share some things, and really, people got to know you now, which was really great so that people can uh, sense more about what you guys are doing. So thank you so much. Thanks, great Joel. Stuff. Thanks, thank Carla. Thank you so much, guys. And good luck, 2019. And I hope to see you out in the trenches. Yeah, we'll see Thanks for having us. Okay. Love it. Joel, don't you think it's great? I mean, I really wanted to ask him about escalation clause because I think that it's imperative in winning in winning bidding wars, but a lot of people just don't understand how to use those products, especially when you insert that escalation clause. And then one of the, my biggest pet peeves is when realtors will submit an escalation clause and say, my clients are willing to go up to f- no more than 450 but here's $5,000 above your highest bidding offer, right? Your, your highest bid. But then they go through the uh, inspection period and then they go ahead and adjust their offer by requesting like an insane amount of uh, adjustment. Like in the inspection, let's say yes. we want a $20,000 credit based right. on repairs. And you're like, are you kidding me? Did you just waste my time by submitting that escalation clause to A, win the bid, but then you leave me hanging? That's when you need the help of attorneys, right? You go into that and you're like, I'm going to call my attorney because I'm like not dealing with this today. So I think this is a... A great uh, thing to have Mr. Salvador Cicero mm-hmm. in the studio with us today so he can actually help us understand. How are you, Sal? Hi, everybody doing well? And I just pitched it right on to you. Right on. I mean, you're an official. I think everybody here is already part of the Mod Squad. I mean, you're officially Absolutely. here almost, what, every other week? <laughs> every We're other very week? honored, very honored. Working very hard, getting it done. He's so humble. 
<laughs> but I got a beef to pick with you, but I'll talk right. about Ooh. that later. All right, let's <laughs> oh. I just Hot wanted seat. to call it out. There's going to be some kind of like energy in the room, right? Okay. Well, for a second. Well, let's go back to the escalation <laughs> clause and when people <laughs> seriously adjust their bids by going back and using the inspection period to adjust their initial offer. What, what are your recommendations about that? Well, absolutely. I think that the advice that we've heard here today is right on point. I think that unfortunately what people... Um, that are in the industry don't know is that the realtors are the ones that tender these offers. And so by the time that it gets to us, unless you have a very close-knit relationship with your attorney and you've talked about this, if you are, uh, you've submitted the bid without the escalation clause, you can't just be like, oh, well, now we're going to go for it. So it's very important that you as a uh, layperson, right, uh, the realtor work very closely with your attorneys before you submit. Uh, this is exactly the perfect example of the kinds of things that you should be talking to the attorney that you will be referring the case to uh, because it could make the huge difference for your client. I, I think it's great that you have to have a, a relationship or a team behind you. And I think mm-hmm. that's what Tony and Julie were saying. I mean, Tony and Haley were saying is that behind a team, you have to have a good lender. And then you also have to partner yourself with a good attorney that's going to fight for you. But I know we're hearing more so from the buyer's perspective. But I think that when you're selling a property, you're also emotionally committed, right? You got that property ready for sale. You cleaned it. You decluttered it. And now you just want to have serious buyers only. I love the idea of the love letter to say, okay, why I want your property. But I also am kind of the kind of person that's very type A. I mean, if you're going to give me this price, don't go back and nickel and dime me on the inspection repairs. I, I find that to be <laughs> offensive and just a waste of time, really. Right. Well, but I think that the the repairs are should, should be something that uh, um, you have to be serious about what are the conditions, right? So if you're selling the property, your attorney needs to know what are the issues and what is the... Um, the amount of sway that you have. For example, you have a property and then you have a roof that you don't really have inspected before you sell the property. So if your realtor is doing his or her job right, they will do the inspection. They will tell you, these are the issues we're going to have with the property so that you can place the client, seller or buyer, right? Uh, Here we're talking about the seller in a realistic position so that then you don't get into a legal issue because then that's what ends up happening, right? You dump it on the attorney, well, you got to negotiate this and we're not going to give him any credit, but you got to put on a, bra- a brand new roof. You know this because you've inspected your own roof. See, he's going back to the, he's sending it back to the listing agent. You're like, you should have done your job and tell your client that you need it. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that's honorable advice. I mean, that's what you need but, to do. But I will say one thing. I think it's very important, especially now that we have a new contract in play, because let's remember, now we have the, the new version of the contract, right? With the the 7.0. 7.0. Oh, it's so Be- long. People like, need to understand it. I like the way that they redid it because it puts up front the most contentious parts. So take some time, talk to whatever attorneys you're working with, with your, with your teams of realtors, and go through the contract with them and ask them about this. A lot of people don't even know about the escalation clauses, much less about what are the typical things you should be asking for? Why, why are you tendering offers that say 105% when everybody's been doing 110% prorations? Those kinds of little nitty-gritty things that get lost in translation because you don't have a good communication with your attorney. Now, I have a question on that 7.0 contract that I think that would be good for the audience. You speak to this, and I think one of the things that we're seeing now is that when you're bringing those issues to the forefront, mm-hmm. we're talking about only having inspection issues that are vital be brought up during a attorney review. Moreover, aren't we seeing that the seller can terminate a contract right away if a buyer comes through with some frivolous things? Talk to us a little bit about the way that you as an attorney are interpreting that 7.0 contract and what it's putting more onus on the buyers to say, okay, I'm not going to go through and start nickel and diming over screen doors and little things because there's a chance that the sellers are going to walk away. Talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, that was kind of the idea behind it, no? I think that everybody who's involved with this process understands that when you buy a house that's not new, you're going to have issues, <laughs> right? So uh, there's a huge difference. I like the, the issue of the roof because a roof is something you cannot sell a house without. If there are holes in your roof, there is mold in the, in the system, there's all kinds of issues, right? That is the kind of thing that you should be asking for a credit, that you should be negotiating if something that big. However, I see people that say something like the caulking on yes. on the regular window is not, you know, is is makes it very difficult. So at least I think the system is trying to put us in a in a position where you are really taking that home inspection very serious. And I think that people can come in, take a good look. If you have a realtor that has a lot of experience, they're going to identify issues 
before you even tender the offer. Good for sellers now, correct? Absolutely. Good but for the buyer too, okay. because you don't want to put yourself in a position where you looked at something, and if your if your realtor took you somewhere that they really didn't understand what was going on with the house or the major issues were, you could also miss out. Because remember, before I'll give you the flip side. You can have an inspection and then discover something after you close on the house, like there is a crack issue with the foundation that there was no reason that people should have missed. Wow, that's really insightful. I think there is some changes coming up with that 7.0 contract. That uh, It's really great that you address those. Of so, Carla. And if we move the focus away from the inspection items, um, can we also touch on what you discussed, what you mentioned earlier about the uh, tax probations? What are, your advi- what, what are you advising um, realtors to put as far as uh, tax probations with the uh, with the increase in property taxes? Well, I usually like to always tell our realtor teams to do 110 to 115. And, and the 115 comes when you're talking about suburbs, okay? Because those of us who work in Chicagoland, if you work in the city of Chicago, you kind of know where things are going. Some of the suburbs have increased exponentially their taxes. So the realtors need to kind of be very in touch with that. And the attorneys that are tendering these offers have to be very in touch with that. See, we're looking at each other like, what? <laughs> what happened to 105%? That's like long gone. <laughs> I can't do 105. I this wish. Is, I, I always like counter them. 105%. I'm like, nope. 100. Well, because I do a lot of listings, right? So it's like 105%. That's it. But, so you're going you're gonna to renegotiate it <laughs> during attorney review then. Well, no. Here's the thing, though. If, I, if, I get, if I'm the seller's attorney... Right, I am not going to to change that. If you already said one hundred five, I'm yeah. giving it a one hundred five. That's why I think the fairest thing. But because let's talk about this, right? We're all professionals that work in the same environment, and we want to be fair. The reason why there is a proration is because you pay the the taxes after, right? So you occupy this year, and those get paid the next year. So you're giving the person that occupies after you a little proration for the time you occupy the property. So one ten is about what usually the tax base have been going up lately. The 115 comes into play because over the last few months, I've had some situations like that, and I think it would have been f- more fair to everybody. As we're talking about structuring a deal and you know covering that new uh, contract or purchase contract that we're using to submit our offers to our prospective um, or to our sellers, um, Joel, what do you like to see from uh, a financing perspective as far as tax probations? I mean, obviously, you want to see more than 105%. Can you explain explain why it is that or how it is that you allocate the, uh, those funds? And typically, they're supposed to cover the tax probations, but you're getting a credit at closing, right, and adjustment. So what do you like to see? We both looked at each other there, right? And we said, wow, it's really good to see another perspective. Carla and I are both city folks, right? <laughs> We're used to 105. We're really happy with 110 when we we get somebody talking 115, we're talking, wow, this is good stuff for our buyers. Uh, but when we're talking Cook County in particular, I teach and I educate and I go through with the buyers and we talk about what this is. So just a quick two minute recap on uh, tax prorations for buyers mean that the seller is selling you a property and when they leave, they won't be able to pay the taxes. The tax bill is not out yet. So we're paid in arrears. So if I'm a buyer, I love the idea of getting 110 or 115. And even then, it might not be enough, as we're seeing. But the idea is that the tax bill isn't out yet. So we're making sure that the sellers are paying their fair share for, right now, the second half of last year, and then all the way prorated up to the date of closing. And that's what's happening here. So as a lender, we want to make sure that the buyers are taken care of. But nine times out of 10, that's all an attorney. We make sure that we partner with good people like the ones that are in the studio today. Thank you. Yeah, and just remember <laughs> that when you submit your offer, you have five to 10 days uh, to have your attorney review your purchase contract. And more so to kind of iron out at all all the discussion, all the negotiations that happen between the two realtors. So right. I hope that you um, have learned a little bit more about the process with respect to buying and how to buy in this active spring market. Um, now I want to introduce another one of our guests. So Salvador, since you, it was your invitation, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, the pitch here? Oh, here with, with uh, Mr. Rodriguez. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Rodriguez. <laughs> Dr. Rodriguez. <laughs> Um, I am very, very happy to see that we have somebody that's authentico. Um, I mean, as you know, you know, we're, we're very uh, proud to be always working with the community. And um, uh, one of the things that we do at um, the other hat that I wear, which is Trust One Title, is uh, try to get very involved with the community and give back to our community. And one of the people that I think are helping our community get to the next level 
is uh, the good doctor here, and he uh, can talk about his great book, Authentico. If you haven't read it, he brought a couple, so he brought a couple take for it you. from there. Nice. Well, I get yeah. a copy. Of course. I love goodies. Of course, of course. Thank you again yeah. for the invitation. Oh, what you know, a lot of folks ask what it is I exactly do, and and what you'll find is there's a lot of consultants out there who help organizations get more Hispanic consumers, right? They, they look at the Latino demographic as a catalyst for economic growth. Uh, that's not what I do for companies. I help them more on the talent side. You know, how can they leverage the Latino community as their next great source of intellectual capital, right? So uh, for many organizations, they call me to say, Robert, we are seeing a greater amount of Hispanic consumers, and that's great. Um, but we don't have Latinos in marketing. We don't have Latinos in sales. We don't have Latinos in senior leadership roles. And we want to tap into that segment of our population. So a lot of the work that I do, uh, not only here locally, but across the country, is to help companies more effectively recruit more Latinos, uh, keep the Latinos that they have so that we don't have the great courtship, terrible marriage scenario. And then lately, where a lot of the discourse and narratives have been is on Latino leadership development. Companies say, hey, we have Latinos, but how do we get them into more leadership roles? Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. I love that you're here to share this with our audience specifically because, um, as you know, we just launched Market Overdrive in Espanol, and it's important for me to give back to my Latino community Mm -hmm. um, and just educating the information. I think that we've been on the air for, like, what, four years, five years now? And for me, it was very important because I was like, you know, there's a need for mm-hmm. information. There's a lack of information out there. And every, you know, when we're having the show, we're interviewing people who are transacting in an ethical way. Um, they're doing it from a service mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that resonates a lot with our Latino audience. They're a very loyal community. Can you tell us, can you, not so talking to the business owners, mm-hmm. but so much to the actual Latino community. Sure. What is your message to them as to why they they matter and why they should position themselves as number one and believe in themselves with respects to seeking a higher lifestyle or a better lifestyle or just taking advantage of this American dream? Sure, sure. There's a couple of things. And and one of them is, you know, there's, you know, this idea of Latino identity is is very complex and and particularly for for non-Latinos, right? You know, they, there are folks uh, who aren't from our community who don't know that, hey, not all Latinos are Mexican, right? We don't all speak Spanish, right? So, you know, for us within the community, uh, a lot of the work that I do when I talk to young, upperly mobile Latinos and Latinas is say, hey, your ethnicity, your uh, identity, Hispanic identity is an asset. You know, if, if the workplace of the future is going to have that increasingly Latino identity, then your kind of connection with your heritage is more material. It's, it's something that, that makes a lot of difference. So, you know, may the, the, the discussions that I have are with younger Latinos, right? Maybe whose parents uh, didn't always connect very strongly with their heritage to help them see that, hey, no, my being able to, to speak Spanish, to be bicultural, have a global perspective will serve them well. You know, I have two sons uh, whose mom is not Latina, right? So even though, you know, they're growing up in a kind of a biracial, bicultural environment, uh, they don't speak Spanish as well as I would like them to. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely bicultural, right? Yeah. So they know the value that as they're going through high school and entering college soon, that they're saying, hey, my Latinoness matters. I have a perspective. I have a point of view that my non-Latino you know, friends don't, and that will serve me well. So that's definitely one part of the uh, reason that that matters. The secondly is for our leaders within our community, right? It's important to to give back. But there are some Latino Latino leaders who don't aren't very connected with their heritage, right? And what I help them to see is that inadvertently they may be uh, sending the wrong message to those younger Hispanics to say, hey, look, here's a vice president. He's Hispanic. He doesn't connect with his heritage. Maybe that's the ticket to move up. So I'm not going to you know, tell others I'm Latino. I'm going to downplay it. Uh, and I help them to realize to say, no, that's maybe the, the approach I work for that executive. But in this day and age, companies want their employees to be more authentic. And that means bringing their full selves into work. So you know, I just wrote the, a book called Authentico and that, that dives into that to say, hey, your Hispanic heritage is part of who you are. It's part of how other people see you. Is it going to be a big part of how you see yourself? I like that we're having the conversation about authentico and being authentic. And I, I, I love that initially, right, when we all migrated to this country, mm-hmm. it was more so like I always worked on perfecting my accent yep. because I always felt like people will make fun of you. Like when I came into this country, it was not it was shameful mm-hmm. to have an accent. Now it's super cool. Like Sofia Vergara right, has an accent and mm-hmm. the thicker your accent, the, the, the sexier, whatever it is that you are. But 
I think that we've evolved, and I like that you mentioned that communities of our bicultural children, mm-hmm. my, my children also, Ukrainian and Italian, yeah. and I'm Honduran. So there's that whole diversity when it comes to who we are now, like the mm-hmm. melting pot yeah. that we talked about, that mosaic, right, of different cultures, and that's who we become and we've evolved. I mean, Joel, you're transacting it out there, and you're seeing it from a different perspective. So are you seeing a lot of Latinos entering into the buying market? That's why I'm excited that you're here today, mm-hmm. too, to talk yeah. a little bit about it. Is the number one thing that I'm seeing are those folks that are actually Hispanic and Latina. They're getting into the marketplace and buying places. Sure. They have great jobs. They mm-hmm. have great income. And they don't want to be another generation that's renting. Sure. And we're seeing a lot more of that. Tell me what you're seeing as far as clients and, and people that you know as far as their... Um, their attitudes towards home ownership. You know, definitely, you know, the, particularly for the upwardly mobile Latino. So when we're talking about the Latino and Latina who has their college degree, right, professional, uh, definitely are looking for other folks who are going to be their advisor, mm-hmm. people who know their community, right? We are seeing a growth, for example, of uh, Latino professionals who are saying, you know what, my attorney is going to be Latino, my doctor is going to be Latino, and maybe my real estate agent is going to be Latino because not only may they want you know be able to speak spanish to me but also they know about my culture right they know the importance of why i need to be close to my family or why there's other things that may not be as relevant to folks from other communities are going to be more relevant to me so we're starting to see that latino professional be much more sophisticated in the service providers that they seek out so organizations and agents that can convey that hey i give back to the community not only do i want you as a customer as a client but also i want to give back to the communities that we serve that's going to really resonate and it has been for the latino professional it's exciting it's great that they actually have a lot of opportunities now Mm -hmm. to find those professionals that resonate with them whereas decades ago they might have struggled to find a Mm -hmm. top-notch real estate agent that matched their background exactly so it's a really exciting time to be able to and and to build on what you shared Mm -hmm. carla you know more and more companies are saying hey my clients have accents. My vendors have accents, yeah. right? So if, if I can reflect the communities I'm trying to serve and the clients I'm trying to be, you know, make sure that I meet their needs, then that's part of who I am and that makes me more authentic in the workplace. That's great. Thank you for sharing that information. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go back to Salvador because I, I appreciate you guys being a part of Market Overdrive mm-hmm. and also Trust One, right? I know that you're in the communities. You're in Pilsen now and in some of our various communities. But right. you're having that dialogue about what it is to be authentico. And through your company, you're sharing this information. What is your take on the dissemination of information in an English language? Do you feel that our consumers or Latino-based consumers, do they expect things to be in Spanish? I don't. I don't think so. I, I think that uh, the most important or the most valuable thing of being a multicultural business, uh, because we are like my friend uh, Arabella always says, by Latinos for everyone, right? <laughs> I think that it's very important to recognize that just because we're Latinos doesn't mean we cannot give great service to anybody. But I will. I will say this. Um, let's talk about a specific real estate transaction, right? Um, if you know that the dad in the family is the one that makes the decision, even though the kid is the one that's buying it, you need to understand that they're going to be part of the discussion that you're going to have. And so understanding that dynamic is super important to a successful transaction. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what the good doctor is talking about. Now, for us, as, as a company with the Trust, Trust One, um, you know, we come from Chicago. We're a Chicago-based company. We're investing in Chicago we obviously we made the decision every business makes their own decisions right our decision was well let's you know promote our community so we give back to the community that's given to us primarily also the business standpoint is the latino community is one of the fastest growing economic motors in our state so why would you not invest in that community Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think that I, I love today's show, Joel, just because we were talking about like, you know, how to elevate that real estate IQ, but more importantly, how to elevate that bar of service, right? Tony and his team came in and talked about like how to go above and beyond to create, cultivate the business, but also how to service that client and go above and beyond. I think that it's imperative for people to understand too, how to transact with this demographic and this audience, because it is one of their largest uh, purchasing power here mm-hmm. in the U.S. And so I think that there is a, you know, a huge movement going towards that. So it's important to understand 
understand that. You mentioned that you know you have to. There's a cultural thing where you actually have to tend to the primary buyer, but you also have to go back and check in with dad, or maybe sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. you got to check in with mom. And it is funny because everybody thinks that Latino community is very patriotic, mm-hmm. like it's from the patriarch, but it actually is very matriarchal, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. The mom is always the <laughs> one who makes the decisions. Yeah. The dad's typically the one who, like, you know, is hustling, makes yeah. the money. <laughs> I mean, I think we moved in, we shifted into a two-parent income here, household income, and both of them hustling. But I think that it's always like the mom that's more of like, okay, it's, lo vamos a hacer de esta manera. Like, yep. we're going to do it this way, right? So I just want to encourage our real estate community to understand the dynamics, right? Just like we have a realtor lifestyle, we have a Latino lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And to be able to cater to this community, I think it's wonderful, right? Because yeah. I don't want them to just see numbers associated with the audience and the statistics that you mentioned, but also the richness in the culture. And I think that people forget that with Latinos, if you serve as one, you'll serve as them all. Yep. You just got to be at that quinceañera party. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Any last words of advice uh, for our audience? Know, j- just, just to build on what Salvador said, you know, you know if you want to get my business, I-, I think it's great if documents are in Spanish. But I'm going to give some of my business because I see them in my community, right? So I think, yeah, for those organizations who want to reach out to the Latino demographic, we have to see you in the communities that are in and our publications at our events. And, and, and let me, I'm sorry, I, I, and I think it's important. I missed that part of your question that I think is very important. So I have the great privilege of teaching at the John Marshall Law School, and I am teaching for the third year in a row Spanish for Lawyers. Spanish and for Lawyers? Spanish for Lawyers. Oh. It's a class that I, right now I have people from Chicago Kent and John mm-hmm. Marshall um, this is the type of things that the law schools are investing in. Because when you do a closing, we do sometimes all of the paperwork that is in English translated to Spanish. Mm-hmm. I explain it to the clients in Spanish. And not all of my students are Latinos. I would say more than half are not Latinos. Uh-huh. Great information, guys. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love it because let's go back to that whole concept of who, why we're here and why we do the show, right? It's obviously to bring in leaders out there. And it's imperative that everybody starts associating us in that light as um, people who are out there really in the community. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that because, I mean, Sal, you're always out there helping with your immigration reform and speaking for that audience. And Robert, I, I really applaud you for everything that you've done. You're seriously an orgullo Latino. And Thank as you. a Latino... How do you say it? Translate that for me. Just English. a very proud, you know. <laughs> I commend yeah, you for, your, proud, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> everything that you've accomplished. The fact that you're a doctor and you're here sharing um, in our space. I truly appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for humble. the invite. Thank you to Trust yes. One for bringing this type of uh, talent into the space. And uh, Joel, for sure, it's always awesome to collaborate with you. We're wrapping up our show. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of it. Sal, where can we get a hold of you? I'm at 773-715-5013. Or you can always, if you need some title work, Call us at Trust One Title. See, I just want to point out that to the women who come on the show and are always like, uh, you can reach me. And the men are always direct. Like, here's my number. Let's get to business. Absolutely. Robert, your book, uh, where can we find it? Yeah. And how can we get our hands on uh, it? So go to my website, www.drradvisors.com. Uh, there'll be a link to Amazon. You can go purchase Authentico online. And then my phone number is 872 872- Two three zero thirty eight fifty three. Thank you for sharing. I Thank really you. enjoy having these conversations, Joel, and everyone for watching and hanging out with us. Uh, we're here to serve you. At the end of the day, we're realtors. We're transacting in the trenches, and we just want to make sure that we give in the form of information to all of you. Uh, you can always tune us in at Market Overdrive Instagram, Market Overdrive Facebook, Market Overdrive YouTube, and of course, I drive our marketing department crazy with all the platforms that you can find <laughs> us. <laughs> but stay tuned because we're coming back on with Market Overdrive en Espanol en tu Uh, Joel? Guys, we did it again. Market Overdrive really is about raising your real estate IQ, and we did it today. We brought another perspective, and I hope that the people that are out there that maybe are not part of that community can learn something from our guests and the doctor about how they can really talk to their clients. And maybe if it was just a little bit of knowledge, it's really great that real estate, uh, your IQ has been lifted by the Market Overdrive show. Yay, great job, Joel. You kick in the whole seat. You did awesome. We're so happy to be here, guys. Thank you again. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll bring you more information and more talent.